This episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast is brought to you by On Point Pomade. Keep your beard and hair looking on point with their line of pomades and beard oils over at onpointpomade.com. Use our code BSP15 at checkout and get 15% off your total purchase order. So thanks again to On Point Pomade for sponsoring our show. This episode is also sponsored by The Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to TheBeanBastard.com and pick up any one of their delicious hand-roasted coffees. Coffee lovers will also enjoy their hand-cut and handmade espresso candles and soaps as well. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head to their store located at 448 Elmwood Avenue. And thanks again to The Bean Bastard for supporting this show. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BRUTALLY and get 10% off your total purchase order. Now on to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am your host, John. This episode's guest is Frankie Mish, the drummer for Sleepwaker, whose latest album, Alias, is out now via UNFD Records. Uh, the irony, up until I got the record itself, uh, CD, thanks to uh, Amy over at Adam Splitter PR, I didn't realize that uh, Alias was an acronym for All Love is a Sound. Um, so there's a little bit of tidbit of information for you, but... Uh, yeah, this feels like a long time coming, actually. Uh, a lot of bands from here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, have been getting signed by UNFD Records and just getting signed as a whole. Um, with Hollowfront being signed to UNFD, Sleepwaker getting signed. Uh, I think there's a couple more, actually, that I'm, I'm blanking of now that I'm trying to talk about it. But uh, this was actually kind of fun because this band and Frankie and I have got, uh, have actually played here in my basement. Uh, we talk about that a little bit in the chat itself. Um, but it was one of those things where it's kind of interesting at times to see the bands that kind of are able to traverse through being a local band and, and kind of just make the right moves to become a bigger band um, or a baby band as it's kind of known in the industry a little bit. But, you know, we kind of get into the nuts and bolts of that. And, and it was kind of interesting because Sleepwaker is a band that I've been aware of, obviously with the fact of them being here local to me, but I, it was almost like when Greta Van Fleet got signed and kind of started having some success. I was like, I, I know of you, but I haven't really seen you doing something so drastic in my eyes where it's like, man, you're getting on every big package. You're, you're selling out, you know, these rooms by yourself. You're, you're becoming a juggernaut of the local scene and then expanding and touring and doing, you know, just really great, crazy numbers to where the music industry is and labels are going to take notice of you. And I guess that's kind of the difference in my mentality really like, and in talking with Frankie is just, it's kind of not necessarily like that anymore. Like you can get by. I don't want to say get by. That's the wrong phrase. You can have success 
and just work on your craft and have a relationship that you built with a label or with an A&R person and essentially grow your band. And I don't want to say have to bypass some of the things because Sleepwaker is definitely put in the work, you know, as far as being a live band. But it's just one of those, like, where I think of the days of, like, the Still Remains and the Haste the Days and stuff from, you know, when I was coming up in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s. And those bands would tour all over, like all over the U.S. And, and they built a reputation for themselves and kind of had a, a fan base kind of built in. And I guess it's not necessarily like that anymore. Um, so it is kind of fun getting to talk to some of these newer bands and and with the age difference that there is between us and just kind of getting to know more about how, how things are happening and, and what's kind of going on, especially given, you know, this one where they're here local to me. And I feel like I kind of have a pulse on what's happening in our local music scene. But there's also it's just good to know like kind of what, how things really are and to learn kind of how, uh, even my own local scene is adapting to things. Um, how there are still similarities between how I grew up where, you know, it was a musical scene. It was a handful of bands that were, you know, ride or die for each other and so forth. And I feel like a lot of that's lost. I feel like, like I say in the chat, like there's just so much, so much infighting and backstabbing and so forth. And everyone's just kind of out to, to get what they think they can get off of somebody else. And it's not even about camaraderie or building a scene anymore. And it's just so foreign to me that, that potentially that's how it is. Um, and like I said, my time in booking shows, that's kind of what led me to get out of our local industry kind of as it were. But, um, sleep Waker is a really interesting band. Um, definitely one that has a lot, a lot of interesting things going for them from just the concept of the band and in name and, uh, the lyrics and the presentation that they put out and just how everything seemingly is so perfectly curated uh, based on what they want and just kind of where they can take the ideas that they have in its infancy stages right now of being a band and where they could go. Um, so it's, it's just kind of an interesting time period. Um, speaking of local, I am going to, if I can get it open, there we go. I'm going to crack open a New Holland Brewery Coastal Dreams 2021. This is a milkshake IPA with pineapple and marshmallow fluff. This, when I had it uh, at the tap room, I was like, I need this in a can. I need to take it home. I need to drink a lot of these because it's just so delicious. So, uh, the thing I like about this versus some of the other like milkshake IPAs are kind of my thing. Like it's inherently what I will, if I see one on a menu, I'll, I'll probably drink it um, regardless of what flavor profile. But the thing I like about this and the ones that I think are, are better to me is so with the pineapple, that kind of complements the bittery kind of uh, IPA flavor that sort of naturally exists. But with the marshmallow fluff and stuff that usually has vanilla or marshmallow or something kind of more sweet like that, it really brings out that that milkshake flavor with the milk sugars and the lactose and all that kind of stuff in these beers. And it's just it's so delicious. It's so drinkable. And it's one of those that like it's sometimes can get you into trouble because um, you you just don't realize how drinkable these are. And it's uh, it's just one of those like. I drank this and immediately was like, I, I need to go buy a couple cans. And I did. And this is the first I've really had and opened it uh, since having it at the tap room. But it's uh, it's a really great beer. And I think it's a perfect beer for this chat. It's uh, kind of light. There's a lot of substance to it. And uh, it's a lot of fun. And so I hope you enjoy this conversation with Frankie and I. And I'll talk to you guys on the other side of it. 
time we, ago. We played, uh, it was Seraphim, Drifter, and Sleep Waker, and then a couple, like, Indiana bands. Uh, a Relics was actually one of them. They, or not Relics, um, um, uh, what, what was that band name? It's like Aries, Aries. Oh, okay. And, I was actually uh, just trying to look up, look it up to see like how long ago that was because I was like, God, how long ago was that? Yeah, I think that was like it would have been four years, I think, around there. Because I think yeah. our album was out, or no, 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 it was. It would have been five. It would have been five. Yeah, because I was going to say, I, I think you guys had a show at Pyramid Scheme shortly there, at like within a week. Uh, Or you had just played Pyramid Scheme, one or the other. Uh, But it was one of those where I was like, I know you guys played here, but like I couldn't remember in what capacity it was. And on top of that, as I was kind of going through and reading the band's uh, the the bio thing in the press kit. um, So your I think it's your bass player. um, I'm trying to remember. Jake, is that it? Oh, uh, he's uh, the bassist of was the bassist of seraphim now he's the guitarist in our band okay uh but i so you may know this more than me but i think i worked with his brother does he have a brother anthony oh yeah 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 okay but yeah yep impel okay. yeah, yeah yeah i was gonna say it's not a very common last name let yeah, alone to no, come no. from this area so i was like yeah. i wonder if that like because we used to call him impy him and uh Kozatek, uh yeah. used to be two of my employees when i worked at AW. so i was like oh, i was no. like there's no fucking way that that's not anthony's brother like but yeah, i don't yeah. remember him ever being like oh my brother like plays music or anything like that because that's something when people find out i'm into music if they know anybody or have family that's into music they're like oh well, my friend my friend or my brother or someone plays yeah. and i'm like okay cool uh has no bearing on me <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um so, you know, kind of a proper introduction, uh, talking with Frankie uh, Mish, a uh, drummer, although you are more of a, than just the drummer of Sleep Waker, but we'll get to that probably in a little while. Uh, your new album, uh, Alias, is coming out July 23rd via, via UNFD or Unified. Uh, you know, I've talked to a lot of the people on the label <laughs> and everyone's like, it's, it's UNFD, it's Unified, it's it's yeah, kind of yeah. whatever you want to say. Um, but, um, you know, I've had this record for a, uh, about two weeks now, I think, and uh, I gotta say, I mean, first of all, congrats. It's it's a fucking monster of a record. Thank you. But the thing that, you know, kind of right away that has always kind of drawn me to your band and what you guys are doing that's kind of put you a step above, you know, here the in the local Grand Rapids scene was I feel like you guys always from the jump were more wanted, excuse me, wanted to be more than just a, a token you know metalcore band or mm-hmm. progressive metalcore band or whatever but you always had a little more depth to you i mean even starting with the name um you know with sleep waker and you know correct me if i'm wrong i believe that it kind of stems from uh you kind of going through uh insomnia and stuff like that and kind of all of you taking influences from dreams you've all had and kind of parlaying that into uh tentative sort of concept records basically around those dreams and so forth that you're having. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I kind of want to start there because insomnia is something that uh, I have had, but I don't think it's ever really been diagnosed. But I, you know, was talking to my parents the other day and, you know, they were like, well, what's what's an average night's sleep for you? And I was like, well, I mean, average to function or like average, like this is just what I get. And they're like, yeah, yeah. you know, to get. And I was like, oh, uh, I might get like four hours of sleep. Um, 
and you know, that's why I started, you know, smoking weed before going to bed. Cause it would actually allow me to just sleep and have a good consistent night's sleep without waking up. Um, but it was one of those like where it's interesting, this, this concept of what is normal um, and how you just put it right across the board for everyone. When I don't think anyone is normal and what works for you won't work for me and we'll have completely different experiences within. So what, what has your insomnia uh, been like for you to kind of traverse through and uh, kind of talk about how you came to talking about it with your bandmates and kind of making it sort of the foundation of, of the band? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, before we went in to do our, our uh, first record and everything, or, or our, sorry, first song, actually, uh, we were kind of like talking about um, uh, band names and everything because we, we had Sleep Waker already. Uh, but then I, I designed like, a logo and all these different things. And, um, I hadn't really talked to anybody about, about the name and like why I chose it. And, uh, Hunter, it, it was me and a guitarist at first. Then we had asked Hunter to join in. Uh, so he, he came in and then we were just kind of talking about it. And like, I mentioned why I picked out the name and why I kind of liked it. And, uh, he was like, yeah, I've definitely had like issues with that too. And, um, it was just something that was kind of a commonality. Like it, it was like, this is something that's interesting. Like everyone's experienced some issues with sleeping or something like that. And it, it definitely affects you in a big way uh, when you are having those issues, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I thought it was a cool way to kind of like connect to everybody, but it still kind of feels like exclusive a little bit uh, just to talk about like sleep. Cause it's something that people don't usually talk about. Like you, you, you have people say like, Oh, I only got four hours of sleep last night, but they don't really like expand on that. They don't really say like, oh, yeah, my dreams were this and this. It's kind of like a personal, like individual thing. Like, I I guess to relate to the album, it's like your personal identity kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like everyone, no one experiences the same dreams and in the same way, Um, which I think I thought was kind of cool. So that's that's one of the uh, the the points to that. But uh, like you said, my personal experience with it was definitely i mean when i was younger i would come to school and i'd be like insanely tired or like uh just didn't feel motivated or something like that and i was always like i I thought it was normal to like stay up late at night uh when i was like really young and uh uh, i would have like weeks of not really sleeping and then a day of i'd sleep all day like way too much way too long um and uh it was just like me catching up basically uh so so i was prescribed melatonin (laughs) and it gave me horrible dreams and like nightmares and made everything feel weird i constantly like i I was constantly having um dreams that i was like stuck in a room and like couldn't find a way out or i was having dreams that uh i was being chased or something and uh it, it was definitely it, it was weird enough for me to be like, this is, this is interesting in some way. Like, I, I feel like I could, I could make something out of this, mm-hmm. uh, like some be creative instead of just like, you know, sitting there and, and going, man, this sucks. <laughs> so <laughs> I, so I've recently started using melatonin cause, uh, mm-hmm. potentially going for a job interview here for something. And obviously mm-hmm. can't, even though it's, it's funny, yeah. it, even though it's legal, uh, and you can literally go to a store and walk in and buy it. But like uh, everywhere is just like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. But no. Um, But the hypocrisies of that aside, uh, kind of switched to melatonin. And it's funny because uh, 
No, I just do the OTC stuff. I don't know what the difference is between what you buy over the counter versus, you know, getting it prescribed to you. I would assume like anything uh, higher dosage or whatever, or uh, maybe it's more concentrated or something. But it's one of those where I've actually recently been talking to a lot of friends and they're like, oh, I have such weird fucked up dreams when I'm on, on melatonin. And I'm like, yeah, really? Like, I don't. It's, yeah, yeah. It, and it's again, it's it's all subjective to whomever is taking whatever, and, and we're not all going to have the same experiences. But it's weird to hear, like your experience, that's more the common common uh, experience when you're on it versus yeah. mine. And I don't know, like, did they tell you like that was a possible side effect? Is just like these wild ass dreams, or that yeah, I mean, the next day you could even be still having like the I don't want to call it withdrawals, but almost like I've had people been like. I'm high as fuck the next day, basically. But oh, I'm yeah, I've never, I've never had that. Okay, uh, but but yeah, I've, I've just had like the the weird dreams, and then the next day, I, I'm like either if I if I because melatonin doesn't really help. It doesn't necessarily help you get to sleep. It just helps helps you have deeper sleep when you are mm. asleep. Okay, um, and uh, at least that's that's what I've what I've heard, but uh, <laughs> or what I've been told, um. But yeah, yeah. So so it 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 helps you like get deeper sleep, and uh, uh, that causes you to have more dreams or weirder dreams, or like you, you get you get your REM cycle. I think it like speeds up your REM cycle or something like that. I don't, okay. I don't remember exactly. I'm not too versed in it. I just wrote a song about it. That's about it. But <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just kind of interesting because I feel like you know. I'm one of those people that like even when I'm drunk, when I'm high, when I'm in like having crazy dreams, mm-hmm. I'm like hyper aware that like like when I took uh, shrooms one time, I was at a, a bar that doesn't exist anymore and I went to walk to go get a beer and I just started laughing. And I remember my roommate at the time was like, what's so funny? And I was like, it's it's, it's really dumb. I know I'm peaking right now. So like I know it's a total high thought and that's why I'm laughing at it. But I just became aware of the bottoms of my feet and the weight distribution of my body on the balls of my feet to the tips of my toes. And it's very interesting. And then he was like, right. And I was like, oh, I know. Total high thought. Uh, It's not funny if you're not me right now. And I know that same with like I have some reoccurring dreams where sometimes like I'll go to run. But like suddenly I don't know how to run. And I run in like almost a standing still kind of thing. Yeah. Or like the grounds like made of rubber or like rubber bands or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's kind of weird that it's like even in that moment, I'm like, this is a fucking dream like yeah yeah wake up or whatever and it's weird to have be able to still have those cognitive thoughts i feel like when you're supposed to kind of be not thinking like in a rational sense of where you would be able to know what's going on and you know as you said something that kind of really struck me was when you were saying you know starting sleep waker and talking to you know the the you know your other bandmates about the experiences you've had with with different things You know, I don't feel like that's something that people I feel like people your age, because you're like, I think about seven or eight years younger than me, I think. Um, I feel like that's something you your generation kind of, if I can say that, is really good at is being able to talk through things a lot more and vocalizing things you guys are Mm. going through. Whereas I'm kind of more of the. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I definitely had that had that conversation with a few people recently, too, about like like uh how i definitely feel like old like people um 
older than me have definitely mentioned like yeah i don't really talk about dreams that much with like friends and blah 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 and like when i've mentioned the name and how it came up in like other interviews and stuff like that people have said like yeah like i don't really talk about my dreams or like talk like mention them or anything like that and i think i think that's definitely uh uh but, but younger people yeah definitely I, I definitely see that a lot more well i was gonna say do you think a that the willingness to talk about these things that may be uncomfortable to talk about for fear of being judged or whatever has a strengthened your bond with your bandmates instantaneously to be able mm. to open yourselves to be that for the people who are listening to your music for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think so. Cause I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a little more genuine than like the, the old metal core, like, <laughs> we're all sad we all get <laughs> down like it's okay to be unhappy like that that kind of thing like uh uh not to say like that's bad or anything but uh because because it's a great message but at, at the same time it's a little bit more personal it's not a it's not a this applies to so many people kind of message it's a here's my personal experience take it how you want like it, it's not so much a we're telling you this works for everybody like you mentioned before uh it's it's like a uh hey this is just experiences and i think it's a cool thing to share and a, a somewhat personal thing that's not too intrusive to yourself and it's something that you can easily uh, uh make some some cool art based on like i mean if you if you see other uh any i mean we live in grand rapids you, you've got art prize uh you see all these these artists that say like i had a dream about this and then i decided to create this or like i had a dream that i made this or blah 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 um, I think, I think it's definitely a, a really cool way to share and express art in a way that's, that's yeah. On, only like personal experiences rather than things that like everyone's gone through. But, but yeah, I, I definitely think it's, uh, it's strengthened the bond for the band and it's definitely strengthened, uh, uh, the, the fans and everything like that, that, that do like, like the concept and understand because uh, we, we get people sharing stuff with us all the time and uh, at shows and at uh, online, things like that. Like I had a dream about X or I had a dream just like the video in melatonin or like stuff like that. It's it's definitely really cool to hear. How this always sounds kind of shitty when you when, when uh, yeah. try to talk through, this, <laughs> but I think it speaks to the a bigger narrative. So um I'll ask the question and I'll kind of give a, a context uh, uh -huh. example. So I feel like your band is going to be primed for a lot more of that, a lot more people coming to all of you, probably specifically, mm -hmm. uh, you know, your vocalist uh, Hunter and, you know, just kind of saying like, kind of unburdening themselves of the things yeah, that yeah. they're going through and while that's really cool, and especially like, you know, when you're a newer band and you're like, oh, my God, people really like what we're doing and, and all this kind of stuff. And you're getting that instant gratification of the feedback. I don't know if people think about the long term of that where you're like mm -hmm. every night when I'm on tour, someone tells me something and then I have to like looking either for answers or just to unburden mm -hmm. their own thoughts or whatever, like cut rate therapy, basically. <laughs> and have you kind of thought about or has it already happened to where you're kind of like, shit, I, I think maybe I need a little bit of help in dealing with this because I wasn't equipped, I guess, at this point to, to take on extra people's, you know, emotional baggage. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so when it comes to shows, I'm usually 
I'm usually pretty pretty good about like dipping out behind the stage and packing <laughs> up all that. I mean, I, I handle a lot of the not to say I'm, I'm like avoiding anything or trying to get away. Uh, but but yeah, I, I usually have drums to pack up and I usually take care of our rack case and it's a big rack case. And uh, uh, like I love winding up the cables and just making everything look really nice at the end of the night before we leave mm-hmm. and packing up the trailer. Uh, so, so I'm usually off doing that um, for the other guys. Honestly, I think for now it's it's been pretty fun, like just kind of talking to people and hearing experiences and stuff. And I, I, I usually try to keep um, conversations pretty like uh, not not fast, I guess, but I, I, I guess more um, like. I really appreciate your time and I'm going to take as much time as we need to get like to, to talk about this. But, uh, if, if anything, we're more here to like help you vent and give you a, a space for that rather. And like let out emotions like moshing basically. <laughs> but, uh, but also we, we aren't really like, we don't really know what we're doing. Like the, the, our songs are about like this weird thing happened and here's, our interpretation of that sonically uh Hmm. so i think um when when people have come up to us and kind of like let out everything it's it's more like i really appreciate you sharing your story and feeling like feeling close enough to our music and uh um inspired by us to you know express these emotions and these feelings and your hardships and it's it's always great hearing about it like i i will never i i won't ever stop someone from doing that because i genuinely enjoy like hearing other people's perspectives and other concepts and things and it's it's honestly made its way into our our songs and music and like uh it's hard to write about only yourself and it feels a little (laughs) selfish to just put only your things into your music so uh yeah i i think I think it's something that I'm I'm definitely interested to see like as as things progress I'm interested to see what happens and uh how people uh, uh interact with us but I I'm I'm open to it I'm not I haven't gotten to that point yet of like this is too much or I can't handle it and if we do get to that point then we'll be open and honest about about it with everybody like we'll we'll just try and be as uh uh as nice and uh i guess yeah just open about our our personal experiences and how we're feeling and whether or not we can handle stuff like that i just think it's kind of interesting the more you know like something that kind of and you know i've talked about this quite a bit on the podcast but you know you probably haven't heard it so quick rundown but it's like i had an event uh happen to me where someone reached out to me with some some real heavy shit and then i realized i was like fuck like what what do i do with this now Um, oh yeah yeah, yeah. i'm dealing with someone else's baggage yeah like and the expectation that like i'm supposed like the feeling that i have to have the answers for this person to help Mm -hmm. them through and all that kind of stuff and and sort of as an empath like you just take on so much stuff and you're like now what do i do with it Mm -hmm. and you know so like one of the stories I, i i was gonna say was like one of my tattoo artist friends, like I remember talking to him and, and you know, we did a podcast, actually, the first episode of this. Um, 
you know, I had made the comment about him basically being a cut rate therapist and like, you know, oh, yeah. how does he deal with it? And he was like, oh, like sometimes, you know, I go because, you know, with all the tattoo shows, like everyone apparently has to have the worst story. Like, so my whole family was in a minivan and then it caught on fire and they blew up and they're all I'd have no family. And this is what this is, you know, commemorating. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's one of those where it's like, you know, now everyone just comes to you for like to help you go through to help them get through the worst things or these traumatic experiences. And in some cases, you know, it's a a painful rite of passage of sorts, you know, when mm-hmm. you get into some of these bigger, larger spots that suck. And, you know, he was kind of talking about how, you know, he would get tat or he would be tattooing someone and it would be like some older lady and it would be, you know, pretty big piece. And he's like, Oh, so what is this for? What made you decide to get a tattoo finally? And then it's like, Oh, my husband, uh, beat the shit out of me for the last 25 years and just was in a really horrible marriage. And I finally got out of it. So this is like, you know, my, you know, empowerment. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And then I was like, well, what does that do to you when you go home? Like, cause you know, like that's your, that's your work day is like hearing Mm -hmm. and helping someone manage their past trauma. But now you have some of that and now you're trying to go home to your, you know, spouse or girlfriend or whatever. And maybe their day was just like, Oh, the dog shit on the carpet. And you're like, yeah, I, yeah, it's not so like, bad. Like, yeah, yeah. it's like, but then you kind of get this thing where it's like, do I even then tell you? Because mm-hmm. do I unburden the burden? Ex- yeah, and yeah, yeah. Keep perpetuating it down the line. That it's like, at what point do we just not kind of do that to each other? Um, yeah, yeah. And so like I, that led me to going. Sorry, and that led me to go into oh, therapy yeah. and just kind of basically realizing that when you. Like for me, I just constantly overthink and I will come up with Mm -hmm. solutions to problems that haven't even presented themselves. And Mm -hmm. that's part of why I have problems sleeping is because my mind is just always thinking about things. Yeah. And so that was one of my biggest uh, things that I had to work through. But it's been interesting in talking to a lot of people like I actually just saw a friend of mine on Facebook yesterday was like, so I'm trying to find a therapist. The person I had isn't working for me. They're fine, but just doesn't work for me any recommendations and people are like, it was a really nice long comment thread of people being like, try this book, try this, go to this. And you know, there's so many avenues avenues now out there for people um, that it's just one of those where I was kind of thinking about how music is that for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. For you as the musician, sometimes I feel like you're in the unenviable position that once you start kind of getting some notoriety, you then are now going to be burdened with not only the things that made the music, or inspired the music, mm-hmm. but then all the things that manifest from there that people will come to you with. And yeah. I just see that I'm excited for you guys because I feel <laughs> like, you know, you can be that next band for a lot of people in the heavy yeah. scene that can help a lot of people and use your platform and, and partner with a lot of really cool, interesting uh, places and, and go a lot of different routes with it. But I'm also just kind of like, this is, I'm also kind of worried <laughs> for you at the same time. Like, yeah. I hope I- cause any problems down the road absolutely uh my, my girlfriend's a social worker so oh, wow. uh and she works at a, at a women's shelter so we've oh. definitely we've definitely had that conversation of like uh uh and and she can't talk about a lot of it because obviously like it's yeah um yeah. social work stuff so yeah it's, it's definitely something that we've had conversations about and i've i've definitely it's it's hard def for sure to like to navigate a situation like that. Um, I think there are a lot of, uh, there have been, there have been tours where we were doing something 
really hard. We had a, a filling guitarist, and uh, it was me and our bassist Aaron, and uh, and our, Hunter, our vocalist too. And Aaron and I were the only two people that that were driving the whole tour, and mm. it was a rough tour, rough time. We had so many hiccups in the road, but we also there was there were points where it was like this person is having a rough day or this person is isn't feeling well like uh they're gonna sit out uh from like the conversations the merch table like whatever um so i think we've we've definitely within the band kind of managed that for sure like uh we we don't ever try to like shoo people away if they want to have those conversations um, but there, like we have thought about how in the future, it's hard to, you know, have a line of people that want to talk to you and you have an eight hour drive ahead of you and there's only one hour before you have to leave. Um, and like that, that's definitely, uh, something that you're, we're going to have to figure out how to manage. And I think, um, it's, uh, it's definitely an important thing to, uh, uh, keep in mind especially with your own mental health on tour like not even just a single show but yeah uh doing a string of shows and talking to those people uh i, I absolutely i'm excited to do it because i i love hearing people's honestly the, the reason we do a lot of the music we do is because or the we write the lyrics we write is because we like it to be kind of open-ended so like bitter for example sounds like it's about addiction and vices and all these other things. But we've had people come up to us and say like this, this related so much to my relationship and like, or this related so much to X or Y or whatever. Um, and that song is kind of like uh, direct, but we have other songs that we've written more recently, like lost in dreams where people are like, it, it just, that song was like related so much to my situation about being trapped or like being stuck in the house I was in before. And I just learned like, Oh, I have to move. Um, and, and every time we have, we have really heavy conversations. I always push people to seek help, uh, somewhere like somewhere local to them or somewhere consistent and somewhere that is a safe space for them to express their emotions and how they're feeling. And, um, and, not push them away from expressing those to other people necessarily, but finding outlets that are welcoming of that, that kind mm. of conversation. Do you keep like sleep journals at all or like dream journals? I used to, I'm so terrible, so incredibly bad at keeping consistency in my life. Uh, <laughs> I'm I like, my my work schedule I'm a, I'm a freelance graphic designer so my, my work schedule is like crazy especially because of covid and everything just being locked in the house um and my my roommate is freelance too he, he's uh, our producer so like he's got bands coming in and working and stuff like that and he doesn't really have a set schedule it's like when i wake up and then when i go to bed that's whatever time <laughs> that is right so, um i i have done a couple journals but it's uh, something I need to get back into. I, I used to have one that was next to my bed, but I, I ended up using it as a sketchbook and filled it up way too fast, uh, which is the the eternal problem when you're <laughs> when you're uh, an artist with a with a empty book. But but yeah, I mean, um, 
I definitely want to get back into it because it was really cool. We got to kind of take some of those dreams and concepts and put them into our old songs. Like Lost in Dreams is specifically about a dream I had where I was stuck in a room and I could see everything changing outside and around me. But like I, I wasn't doing anything. It was it was like it was almost I, I took it as like, what am I doing with my life? Like I have to. Mm-hmm. I have to I have to go out and do things otherwise they're not going to happen. Like that's just kind of where we took that. It's funny as you said that, you know, talking about that that song in particular, mm-hmm. I took it more from a uh, a different song actually that one of my favorite bands every time I die. Mm-hmm. You know, they were talking Keith was talking about how, you know, being a touring musician you have these societal norms that get placed on you like, Oh, at this age, you need to like have a home, be married, have kids, all this kind of stuff. And he goes, and I'm trying to compare my life to those that don't live the same life I do. Mm -hmm. And while they would go, Oh my God, but you get to travel, you get to do all these things. You get to see all these and have all these experiences. You know, it's always the grass is greener greener on the other side kind of scenario where it's like, you want what you don't have. Mm -hmm. And so to me, as you were kind of saying like, oh, I I could see all these things changing and all that kind of stuff around me, but I'm not. It was more of like I was thinking about it being more like, oh, is it more like you see people achieving things and therefore you're like, oh, but I'm not. I'm still, quote unquote, stagnant doing what I'm doing, even though maybe what it is you're doing isn't something that you can notice success or whatever or growth or whatever in such a short amount of time being an artist i feel like your thing is like here's the concept here and i may not see it come to fruition and see the end product of of the growth of me as a musician or as an artist or whatever until it's done which yeah yeah a year or two uh and it's constantly evolving so i feel like that would be how i would almost interpret that you know what you were Mm -hmm. saying um which i also feel to be very accurate yeah yeah oh yeah i mean that's that's uh, another aspect of the of the song that we we also kind of like mentioned we wanted to put out because like, when I was writing it that was that was my interpretation but like when we were when we were coming up with the final lyrics and everything and, and recording the vocals that's that's kind of what Hunter and all the other members took hmm. uh, was like um, like comparing yourself to other people uh, and, and like I mean I I do that I I I feel like I'm I feel like I kind of like seclude myself in my own bubble of success <laughs> when it comes to uh, dis- or my, my life, like my personal life, like um, owning a car, buying a house, etc. But when it comes to art, I am constantly comparing myself to other people. Uh, so I, I 100% empathize with that, like having to, I, I guess my, my goal in life hasn't necessarily been to um, right now to think in in the moment or think too far out it's Mm -hmm. to kind of like what am i going to be doing in two years rather than what am i going to be doing in 10 years or what am i going to be doing tomorrow like i'd rather think you know two years out and plan out like a a realistic goal because if i think too far i start going like oh man like what if this doesn't happen or what if x or y or whatever or what if i don't have enough money for whenever this happens but um so yeah i I, i've definitely my parents have kind of always pushed that um uh uh cars are at like you'll never make money off of a car versus (laughs) if you invest in a house that's important like that's an asset it'll make money blah 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 
Um, and then other things too, like, like just, you know, being smart about where you are in life and understanding where you are too, and not making rash decisions. And yeah, so I, I'm slow to do things sometimes, but then sometimes I, I think about it and for what I, for how old I am, I really have done a lot of things that I'm extremely proud of and excited to do more of. Like, for example, I, I right now I feel like I haven't accomplished a lot, but realistically, but who, I mean, who has in the last? Yeah, exactly. Years? Realistically, look at look at a, like a lot of people that are like 23, 24. They usually are about the same. Like they've just gotten out of college. Like they're still kind of finding their place and everything like that. Like, uh, I, I I've gone on like uh 12 tours in my life and like i've i've been on the road a lot and i've seen i've been in every single state and like i've been overseas and other places like other countries and things like it's it's when you look at it that way you kind of instead of instead of thinking about what you've accomplished and where you are right now i i kind of like to think about what's happened in the past and the experiences i've had and the things that have like help me grow to be the person I am now that is able to eventually like once I get a house or whatever, or a car or whatever, I mean, I have a car, but uh, <laughs> uh, once, once I hit X milestone, uh, I'll, I'll be like, cool. All of the things that I've done before have gotten me to this point now. And now I'm, 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 uh, uh, oh man, I, I'm losing it, but, uh, now I'm capable of doing this and being extremely confident in this decision rather than, you know, rushing into something like getting, getting married and then eventually having a divorce or, uh, getting a tattoo and then regretting it. Or like, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you can kind of like sit back and, and plan things out and, and kind of think things through, uh, I, I kind of have, I guess I have that kind of <laughs> mentality, but that's not to say it's, that's the right one. And everyone else's ideas and concepts are the same value as mine. So, well, I think that that's kind of the thing though, is, you know, it's funny as, you know, I'm 24 years younger than my parents, mm -hmm. uh, which isn't really that old. I mean, think about it being 24 yeah. and having a child. Um, you know, when I look back on my parents, you know, they're, they were kids essentially uh, yeah. when they had me. And it's one of those where I often now, as I get older, think about, okay, like I'm going to be 37 in a couple months. Okay. When my parents were 37, I was, you know, 13, 14, we were, you know, these things, I was kind of, you know, paralleling yeah, my life exactly. to my parents and trying to think of things. And it's funny because I feel like as I get older, my parents aren't these, these people who, know everything now yeah. they're becoming oh, yeah, yeah. they're becoming people and right. as i you know am able to open up more and have more of a, a discourse with them as a an adult myself to them uh and we talk about our shared experiences or or things in general or just you know having conversations mm -hmm. it's interesting to kind of break down them um and oh, absolutely yeah what becomes interesting is the things my parents told me, or mainly I'll say my dad, where it was like, you need to go to college. You need to do these things. Well, they never set any money aside. I realized my senior year, I was like, 
I don't want to go to school. Like I don't have any aspirations to go further. Mm-hmm. The things I'm interested in are oversaturated job markets. Like, you know, psychology, being a teacher, like these things are just, that's what everyone wants to do. So why the yeah. fuck would I go spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, go into debt where no one's going to make me go. So I probably won't go. Cause yeah, yeah. Not interested. And yeah, I would just rather go work and get real life experiences right away. Like I was always kind of in a hurry to grow up. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's that. I think that's that's like the kind of the the. Sorry to cut you off. No, you're good. Uh, but, but I think I think that's the point for sure. Is like everyone's in such a rush to grow up and everything. And it, it, honestly, like I was thinking about taking a, a gap year uh, mm-hmm. when I was when I was getting out of high school. Uh, but cause, well, because I graduated a year early, so I was like, I could just take a gap year, and like that mm-hmm. would be my senior year. Um, and everyone kind of everyone that my parents were friends with kind of tried talking me out of it. Well, I guess talked me out of it because I ended up not doing <laughs> it. But, uh, but I also got into, into Kendall, uh, the, the art school in Grand Rapids. And I, I figured this is a good experience and it's something I, I want to do when I know I'm passionate about. So mm. uh, I just went for it. But like at the same time, I, I was, I was kind of uh, like, you know, pressured I, I felt a little bit of pressure. My, my parents weren't necessarily doing it, but just other people saying like, oh, well, you could get ahead in, in this or this or this. And it's like, yeah, but I'm not in a rush to grow up. I'm, I mean, I'm more interested in like going out and experiencing a lot of things right now. I have I have a ton of years to sit down and feel old and be <laughs> like, man, I'm sore. I'm going to sit in a chair and grind out all this work. And uh I, I kind of got to experience a little bit of that when I, I got a marketing job and kind of sat in cubicles for a while and uh, still got to do the graphic design, but it was, you know, regimented uh, six months out of the year I was doing that. And then the other six months I was touring and I kind of just went, I've got a taste of both right now. One is better than the other and I can make either work. So let's just do the fun one. Like why, why waste time right now doing that? But at the same time, there are other people out there that have the opposite view of like, I'd rather work hard now and then set myself up for success in the future, which I think I think either way, everyone's still doing that. I don't think there's any uh, uh, right now. I'm still working hard. I'm still constantly grinding and doing tons of things. Um, But they're all things that I personally like feel are have have value to myself rather than like. Uh, oh, I'm helping someone else's company grow in X way or Y way. Um, and uh, it, I, yeah, I just think it, it's all it all comes down to experiences and how you experience life and how you want to uh, take risks. And yeah, I think it's really it's a, this is honestly I love conversations like this because it, it <laughs> kind of makes me think about <laughs> all these things for a while after. Well, I mean, so and th- that's why I love just kind of going like my going, one yeah absolutely. My one note that i have was just talk about insomnia because like i knew from there we could go in a million different directions yeah, yeah um you know a couple of things to that though i mean first of all kendall i've only talked to about that actually with my tattoo artist it was my first episode we're actually gonna for my 300 spoiler but it, yeah. it won't be out until after this uh or it'll be out before this um i'm having him back on to catch back up basically i mean we're friends we see each other all the time but it was one of those where i was like you know not very often do you get to go back to literally the first thing you did 
and approach it. And like, I'm going to approach it very much like this, where it's like, we just have a conversation. We see where it goes, yeah. but okay. we've grown as people. So I'm sure we're going to talk about interesting things just like we always do. Mm-hmm. But in it though, he was, he's one of the only people I know personally that went to Kendall and as a tattoo artist, you know, he had his own sense of style and stuff like that. And, and so I'm going to pose the same question I asked him to you. I feel like going to school for a, an art of some sort, I feel like is very, I feel like it almost beats the creativity out of you because all you are doing and correct me if I'm wrong is you're being shown examples of, you know, if you're actually going to school for like actual art, uh, you know, like here's this artist, this is the style that they are in. Here's why it is. It fits in the style. Here's why it's, you know, so great. It's timeless, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then they go now make something like that. Yeah. And, yeah. And then they critique you or they'll tell you to make a painting, uh, do this. It has to involve these colors has to be the size, whatever, whatever the parameters are. Mm-hmm. And then they basically go, well, it's not good because of X, Y, or Z. And it's like, no, 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 no. How the fuck can you tell me my art that I came up with myself and I put there is not good. It is like, you can't judge literal art, you know, as far yeah. as like paintings and so forth. I feel like you can't really judge it based on like, well, the lines aren't crisp here. You could have used this or mm-hmm. you could like, to me, it's like that negates what art is, which is all mm-hmm. about creativity and the spontaneity of being inspired in the moments and seeing that all the way through to me. I don't understand how one can go to school for an art and not have their creativity basically stifled in the process. Yeah. And either they get, they earn the degree and are able to do a corporate version of an art job, mm-hmm. or they come to the conclusion that fuck this, this is not what I want it to be. And they leave and go be fulfilled in their creativity elsewhere. Mm-hmm. What happened for you? Uh, I would almost say uh, somewhat, it was definitely the second, but uh somewhat less because I, I definitely enjoy so so i really enjoy branding and just mm-hmm. like creating like a logo and making everything look cohesive and nice uh I, that's that was kind of my job at at my that marketing firm that i or marketing job that i got um and uh, uh i definitely kind of went into kendall going like you know i my parents want me to go to college they want me to give it a try and i i graduated early so i have a year to kind of like like I was saying, gap year, mess around and see what works. Um, so I went, I went to Kendall for two years and the second, well, I, went, I finished two years and then the, the semester of my third year, first semester, I took a printmaking class and I took a couple other classes, uh, or a couple, a couple of like gen ed kind of classes. And then um, a typography class mm-hmm. and the type class I, I definitely had issues with some teachers and how they taught and everything like that. But <laughs> um, the type class, the teacher was very, he was so abstract that it ruined the class and ruined how I viewed Kendall. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I didn't have a, a great view of it to begin with because it was, it was school and I didn't want to be there and I didn't like the way that uh, my classmates worked and I didn't like the way that other people worked. And like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It, it was, it's art. Like, like you were saying, uh, and there, there is like, 
there's there are certain points. I think being a graphic designer is is important if you're going to go to art school. Uh, okay. Being an illustrator is not because you can you can be a, a, an incredible illustrator just by going on YouTube and looking up like some of the fundamentals and stuff like that. Honestly, right now, being a graphic designer, you can go on YouTube and do the same, but it's a little easier to get that like base of here's how you pr- like like I can't go out right now and learn how to print on a large format printer because they don't have one with me. Uh, Whereas like at Kendall, they had one and I could go use it and print out things for my band and like use the vinyl cutter. (laughs) And like, I could, I could go experience those things and make my own projects that I could then like, yeah. Uh, Which also is another thing, like give us better projects that are more interesting. But (laughs) uh, but yeah, like my, my type class, the professor would give us something and say like, okay, so, uh, here are your, your guidelines for the project. Bring this in, uh, next class with XXX, like give us a couple examples and I'd, I'd come in and we brought in everything and all all our projects and we mounted them up. We printed them out on like a printer thing. They wanted us to experience like the physical side of graphic design, which also was kind of a little bit of bullshit because it's like some of our things we had to hand draw. And we're like, this is fine. Like, I'm totally okay with drawing that. I can do that. But at the same time, why why do you want me to design it on a computer, plan it out, or, or sorry, sketch it, design it on a computer and plan it out, and then draw it? Like, why? That makes no sense. And, like, there were things where it's like, we we want you to be able to replicate fonts by hand. So, like, and, and like, you can't trace them. And I was like fuck off what is that like why why do we need to either way i'm getting on on so many tangents no the the type class we we brought things in and he was like okay so so you did this you did this you did this you hit the things on the exam but or on on the 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 rubric but you didn't break the rules art's about breaking the rules so i can't give you like he gave no one an a because we didn't like push the boundaries enough and then the next class everyone brought stuff in that like like, you know, pushed little bits here and there, like, because he obviously said, don't like completely ignore it. But I want to I want to show me that, you know, what I'm trying to teach you, but then also show me that you can make it your own. And we're like, OK, sure. So we bring things in and the next class, he goes, you guys didn't follow the the rubric well enough. And we're like, D- you said don't you said don't follow this exactly like you said, give me something that's unique in your own. And we made it unique and we made it our own. And then you go, no, 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 no not that not that unique like tone back the unique uniqueness and then like like if you are going to grade someone grade something someone on something objective like your line was intended to be straight but like like if if someone's got literally three straight lines on a piece of paper and that's their goal is to get three straight lines and one of the lines isn't straight then like it's still good art like someone might like that but but do you not know how to do that? Like, if you are trying to learn how to do that, let's teach you how to do that. Otherwise, it this is fine. But, like, I, I think that is kind of where art school comes in. Is Like, I've had good teachers. I had two good teachers. And those were the teachers that said, uh, bring something in, show it to me, and then tell me what you were intending to do with it and the things that you had struggles with. And we'll focus on those rather than I thought this would have been better if this was this, because that's just subjective. Like there's, there's no way to quantify 
how like good <laughs> this art is. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, uh, I think art school can be valuable. For example, like me learning how to color separate shirt designs and like uh, all these other things. But I didn't even learn that in printmaking, which is another thing. But uh, yeah, it's it's definitely something that I think a lot of people should experience. And if you don't know anything about art and you want to, going to art school is a good idea because you will have a lot of resources to learn and other people and not just your teachers. Um, because I, I went in with experience doing designs for bands. Uh, like the, the flyer I did for uh, the show at, at your uh, your your basement. I wasn't in Kendall when I did that. And like I just made that doing things that I wanted to do. Um, so I went in with experience and there were kids in my class that had never opened Photoshop before. They didn't even know that Adobe products exist existed. Um, and me making friends with those kids like we shared things that we were learning them going from the basics up, which I never did. And me coming from a place where I knew how to use the program, but I never went through the step-by-step basics and everything like that. So like they would teach me shortcuts. I would teach them what filter galleries were and what like Gaussian blur versus box blur and stuff like that. Um, So I think the experiences are valuable, but at the same time, it all boils down to, yes, art school is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because, uh, you know, I remember when uh, Tyler and the Hollow Front guys were having uh, an album release at the mm-hmm. at the stash. And, you know, they had just gotten their shirts. And at the time, I think I was still working for one of the bigger uh, screen printing companies here in town that does stuff mm-hmm. for like Diamond and a lot of PacSun and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he opens up the design. I was there for an interview because like that was when like there was an EDM show in the basement. They were doing their CD release. And I think it was Guar and Light the Torch uh, in, yeah. the, in the main room. And so I was there to interview uh, the singer from Guar. And I was using the stash initially. And then that's when everyone started coming in. It was really loud. And then Tyler was like really proud. Like, yo, check out these shirts we just got for the, the album cover. And I remember looking at it. And oh, it was the one with the with the, the coffin that was like. Tilted, I think it was like right? the co- it was like the coffin. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hourglass kind of thing i think um but see now the thing is is like and just like after let me finish one story and then i'll parlay it into the other thing for experiences though so being someone who worked at a screen printing company and was a press assistant i would have to set up all the screens that's where i learned about separation of different layers uh your different gradations and even just more of how shirts get made and how you have to look at art instead of it being just a flat thing on a piece of paper, how it will look and lay on a shirt versus Mm -hmm. on a piece of paper Um, and different inks and how all that kind of stuff, you know, matters. And it was one of those things I remember looking at. I was like, is it supposed to be like on a registration right there? And he was like, what? And I was like, right here. And I like pointed at it and he goes, no. (laughs) And I was like, well, whoever did that, call him back and tell him you want money back. Either they owe you money off of this or they owe you like the next order, they're taking 50% off your next order for yeah. fucking this up or something like I, that. And he was like, I, you do that? I was like, absolutely. And if you're going to be in a band, having had friends who tour and have merch people and all that kind of stuff, that's something where on my side of it, we've had a company go, uh, this is slightly wrong. So we're not paying for this whole order and you're doing another one and you're going to expedite it and we're going to take 20, 30% off what we owe on that. Uh, and we're keeping the garments and we're going to sell them. Um but it was one of those things where I was like, dude, absolutely. This is your business. These are 
literal physical garments or physical items that are going to represent your band that people are going to wear. Don't you want your band to be presented in the best possible way for you moving forward? Mm-hmm. And it was just like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know you could do that. And it was funny because that was an experience I had and learned from being on my side of it. Yeah. But also the side of listening and gaining knowledge from people who have been touring for a long time and just knowing that that's how the business works and Mm -hmm. the experiences and so forth. And it was one where, you know, I would assume at this point, you know, hollow front prop, you know, major props to them and you guys being one of the few uh, that have made it out of this area. Cause um, something I definitely wanted to hit on real quickly is it's gotten me into trouble because when I used to book shows, I, the thing that got me out of it was, I got tired of the local egos. um, Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I was of the age that, you know, we had a scene. Grand Rapids had a scene Mm -hmm. back in the day. Like I used to come from Kalamazoo almost every Friday to come see the local bands. The local bands would Mm -hmm. sell out the main room of the intersection, which for those listening and don't know, uh, I think at the time was maybe like 1200. It's it's since expanded to, I think about 1800, but Mm -hmm. um, it was one of those where a four band local package would sell out the main room of the intersection Friday and Saturday nights, no problem. Yeah, um, and, they could, and they could play both of those dates and people would come out, yeah. And it was one of those things to me where, you know, when I started putting on shows, I wanted to kind of help bring that back. I saw bands, I, I know a good band when I see one, or I can at least go, that band's willing to work harder. They may not be there yet musically, but they're going to mm-hmm. get there and they are working harder than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um And it was one of those things where that's what I wanted. I wanted to kind of be a part of bringing a local scene back. And unfortunately, I felt like when you guys were coming out, it's like there was Seraphim really was the leader of the pack. Um, Mm -hmm. They had great visuals. They they all look great. Uh, Mm -hmm. They they had a very united like front on everything. They they obviously spent the money uh, in all the right things to do everything right. And I thought they were going to be the band that was going to get signed out of all of you guys. Yeah. I didn't necessarily see you or Holofront doing it, but the funny thing is, is I feel like you guys looked up to them in the right way. I feel like a young, a young baby band is supposed to, where you go, okay, like what are you guys doing? Oh, I love how your music videos look good. Well, what we do is we don't put out a bunch of shit music videos. We <laughs> save the money and we put out one good one. See the 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 funny thing about it is, uh, we we didn't we knew Seraphim. the The show in your basement was like the first time we really. We really like had had met them, but by that point we were already going to be recording. We were already recording our our uh, our new our Lost in Dreams, basically. Right. And um, uh, Lee, our our producer, was the the new guitarist of Seraphim. And actually, I live with him. Yeah, and I, I, I live with uh, I live with the vocalist of Seraphim, Jordan. Um, Wait, so you guys, did Jordan move? Because Jordan lives like just down the road from me. Yeah, no, uh, he lived with Lee, and oh, okay. uh, we, yeah, Lee, we moved up to uh, Comstock Park. Okay. But, yeah, yeah. Um, very, very local inside baseball there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, we we um, work together on a lot of a lot of stuff and a lot of music, and I, I help him with his Jordan's covers and everything, um, like design on that and everything. And I think I think us just getting together and like like Lee didn't have experience in one thing, and then uh, Jordan had experience in one thing. Hollowfront had experience in some other things, and like we we kind of built the team like. Uh, Seraphim wanted to like up their design and stuff like that. So like they, they had me help them a little bit. And then like uh, Ned Ingalls, the guy that does all our videos was, uh, was the guy to work with pretty much with Seraphim and Holofront and everything. And I think 
having a good team behind you is absolutely it. And Grand Rapids has some insanely talented people. Uh, so I think, I think to your point, um, bands that come in and don't know what they're doing need that mentor. Like they need that, that person doesn't like not necessarily a, a group, but just like they need that person to not have an ego and not say, Oh, you want to be like me? Like you can't like, right. yeah. Like obviously don't copy bands. Don't like, <laughs> don't go, Oh man, they use this. I need to buy this. Like right. they, they have this, like, can you give me this? Like, um, but like learn, take what they're saying and apply that to your own music and your own art. I think that's, that's what's really important is, is growing from another person's experience. Like, for example, there are people in Grand Rapids that were 100% out to rip you off, especially when the scene was, was le- like dying down a little bit and people weren't as connected. Because uh, like, like you were saying, when shows were happening and it was like 1,200 cap sold out for local bands, like all these bands were talking. All these bands were like pretty close with each other. There were egos and there were things here and there. There's but a like, hierarchy for sure. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you kind of get into like this competitive, weird nature. And and I think I think some people saw that they could take advantage of that. And eventually they started taking advantage of it as the scene started like slowly dying down. And then eventually it just like completely blew up and the scene was gone and all these people were just out to make money off of other people. Um, And having that, that group like Seraphim, Sleepwaker, Drifter, hollow front, Northern at the time, Amora, all these bands, like those are the ones that we, we hung out with the most. Um, We would all kind of talk and be like, okay, this person was great to work with. This was awesome. I loved this. Uh, if you want this type of thing, I would go here. If you want this type of thing, I would go here. Like, and, and all the creatives, me, Lee, uh, Ned, and uh, Jordan's Jordan's girlfriend, Alex, were all very open to our own styles and our own type of creativity, but also changing it up for bands that wanted to do something new, hmm. like, or, or even just admitting, like, we can't do that. Here's another person that can, and here's, here's a person that's better, and. and uh, our old guitarist Eric, uh, he uh, he is probably one of the best photographers in Grand Rapids right now, in my, in my opinion. And he works with tons of bands because we send them his way, and he's able to not make everyone look the same and right. learn what their brand is and how they're supposed to look and change that, rather than just doing okay, we did this for Sleepwaker, here's what we're gonna do for Hollowfront. Um, so I think I think it's definitely having having a group of people and a team and a, like it's it's a community, having a community that you can you can talk to and um, um, be confident in uh, uh, relying on for things. Um, yeah, it, without that, I don't think Sleepwaker and Hollowfront would have gotten to the point we're at. So to to add to your point, yeah, if Seraphim wasn't there, <laughs> then yeah, it would have been would been rough. Well, I think that's like kind of the interesting thing is both you and Hollowfront, you know, getting signed to the same label. I'm sure it was much 
closer to each other in actual like we're signing with this this, this label mm-hmm. but the announcements came further apart yeah yeah oh for- oh no actually we it was it was we talked to we actually started talking to unfd before Holofront okay. uh got in contact or they got in contact with Holofront, and um we just we had demos basically for our album and then Holofront had already had theirs like finished and they were sitting on it for about a year and uh they told them when they were releasing and all this stuff and then they were just like we're just gonna put it out like we haven't gotten anything back yet so they put out their album loose threads before signing and then eventually signed on and then re-released through unfd and uh yeah so so it was kind of like oh you're talking to unfd we are too that's really cool and then we'll we'll see if this happens it was kind of like it happened they happened in their own bubbles but it was really cool to have it finally come around and come to fruition and the fact that we all work with the same team is huge because holofront or we did a music video with with our friend ned and he got in contact with you and we like he had contact with unfd through that and then holofront uses ned too so when unfd was reaching out they already had a rapport they already knew what was going on how everything was working um and like with lee uh we work with him. Holofront works with him for, for our release. He had more of like a um, hands-on because Holofront had already released their stuff. He didn't really have to like communicate with the label and everything. Right. And now that Lee's in Holofront, like it, it's just, it's a big circle of, of really cool communication. And it's awesome to have this like unique uh, pairing on, on the label. And I, I'm definitely glad it happened, but. Well, I mean, that's like even talking to uh, Mike the other day or, we released it a couple of weeks ago, but talked to him about a month ago. Mike from uh, Vatican, who's on the label, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it was kind of funny because I was like, wait, you were in a band from like Indiana called like, uh, oh, shit, what was it? Church Tongue or whatever? Yes, yeah. And so I'm like, even though like by the time you guys were kind of starting to come around, that's when I really wasn't going to as many local shows anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, just yeah, we played like, with them at Takehold Fest. Yeah. The last tickle fest. Yeah, yeah. So it was one of those, like, it's funny that even though, like, for as much as I say, like, I, I don't really pay, like, I don't feel like I pay as much attention to the younger scene that's coming up. But, like, after when I stopped, like, going to show, like, not going to shows, but when I stopped booking shows, when I kind of stopped being and actively checking out the new bands, like, you know, chances are, like, on a tour, if it's like a package tour, I'm probably not the dude anymore coming to like sitting there for the whole fucking thing. I'm not going to yeah. check out first to four. I'm probably coming in like, you know, we'll, and it sounds really shitty to say like this and I don't mean it to sound shitty, but I, it's the only tour I can think of at the top of my head, but it's like, okay. Like, so that, uh, we came as Romans tour that, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to me, if I didn't know the dudes in hollow front, chances are I probably wouldn't get there until like Devil Wears Prada goes on. I'd probably be like, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm going to get there for Devil. Maybe I'll get there for like the last two songs of the other band. First mm-hmm. band, that's that's when I'm going to be across the street drinking for way cheaper than the venue prices. Uh, yeah. And it's just, that's, I mean, it sucks to be old and say it like that, but it's just kind of like, like, I don't know. Like, do I, like, sadly, uh, for me, a lot of music, you know, reminds me. And as I'm editing the episode that's coming out uh, with Marcos from POD, you know, I was talking about how I don't listen to like, I don't feel like I listen to new music anymore. I listen to older stuff and I try to figure out where that was inspired by to then mm-hmm. figure out, like I go back to go forward. And yeah. so when I hear certain stuff, like I'm like, all right, you know, like I really like counterparts, but I mean, Brandon and I, when we talked, like we 
joke that basically it's just misery signals with like a little bit more pop punk to it. Yeah. So, I mean, and he flat out admitted that he's like, we're just basically a misery signals cover band. And <laughs> that's the problem I have with music as I get older is I'm just like, Oh, it, it, it sounds like this, but not mm-hmm. done quite as good as the thing I like. So I'm just going to go listen to the thing I know I like. That's going to satiate that, that itch for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing where at times, like I realize I, I do need to have, you know, you know, bands like Vatican, bands like you guys on the show to kind of challenge even myself to be like, okay, there's what I think you guys are because I mean, you've fucking played in my house. Like, and if I'm going to be the <laughs> asshole who will literally not go into my own basement and go check out a band that's literally here, yeah, then I'm a real piece of shit that does, does <laughs> not deserve to like enjoy music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it was one of those things, like, like I said, the out of all the bands that I, I, I were coming out and no disrespect to any of them, but like really it was you Seraphim and, and hollow front that I felt like had something that you would grow into if you didn't get in your own way. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was, there were so many bands at that time, especially that were like, uh, you, they like, were you, all about the I prevail sound and yeah. something that I have talked about. And maybe you can actually speak to this a little bit more with me as we kind of wrap up. So I prevail is one of those bands that, you know, the, everyone thinks of them as just the cover band, you know, they did the Taylor Swift cover. Mm -hmm. And to me, they were, that was the Trojan horse. And they were the only band I've seen do that with a real plan behind it. It was like, okay, Taylor, Taylor Swift didn't have any of her music on, on any of the, on the platforms. So by them having a a current hit on those platforms, instinctively they're going to be the only ones that pop up when anyone searches for that yep. if you do it halfway decently you're going to probably get some fans that are like oh th- this is pretty cool mm-hmm. now the part that everyone else who just kept releasing covers and hoping that people would find you they came out with a whole fucking record like shortly thereafter that was ready to go tours that were ready to announce they had a mm-hmm. whole rollout in plan planned it seemed anyway and that's the one thing i feel like everyone missed when they did it and they're like, oh, they just did a cover and got huge. No, they did a cover smartly. And, and then, then they, did, they put the work in and the money in to make it finalized and yeah. like pushed. Like that's yeah. yeah, I think that's that's one of the big things. Uh, I mean, especially now working with bands, like doing designs for them and stuff like that. Um, and I've worked with enough now that I, I feel com- safe saying uh, <laughs> there have been a few bands where they they hit me up and they do this thing. And they're like, yeah, we got this plan, this plan, this, this plan, blah, blah, blah. And then they put like I do all the stuff for them. They put it out, and they're like, "Dude, not like we don't see anybody. We're not seeing any money from this." Like blah blah blah. It's like, dude, you, <laughs> you literally, you literally walked up to someone, gave them some art, and said, oh, "Okay, here you go." That's all you did. Like you and uh, honestly, it's like standing out on the street and, with like one of those boom boxes and screaming and just like say like playing your music. Like a couple people are gonna stop. But like hundreds of people are going to be passing by like it's not to sound like a dick, but people just ignore music. Sometimes people just aren't interested in like this thing or X thing or whatever. They want to see this music and have something to latch on to like visually and like um, um, and not only not only that, you have to get that music in front of the right crowd. And when you're playing metal. Like you can't just put it onto Facebook and say like, <laughs> okay, cool, grandma, listen to Facebook because grandma's gonna listen to it and go, oh, this is my grandson, and show it to her friends, and they're gonna be like, what is this screaming music? Like you're not making fans doing that. You're just 
putting music out into the void. So you have to right. have that plan. You have to have that marketing. You have to have all these things. And I think, yeah, a lot of bands don't understand that. And they just, they just see, they see the results of good planning and good marketing and, and the grind. Uh, but they don't understand how people got there. And that I think is where a lot of people start talking shit and having egos is I don't know. I'm, I'm ignorant of this situation and I think it's this way. And then eventually they get to that point or they see someone else or a friend gets to that point or something. And they're like, Oh, there's like 800 other factors that I had no clue went into this at all. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I think that's, that's the problem with the local scene that when we were coming up, we, there were so many bands that thought they were hot shit and thought they were awesome and they could do whatever. And then, uh, eventually it didn't, things didn't do whatever and they that stuff kind of hit the fan and they were stressed and upset that their music wasn't doing as well. And it just kind of weeded out the, the, the ones that, that didn't have that, that grind and that like willingness to put the money where it needed to go and put the effort in without, it, it was like, there were, we had a lot of party bands. Basically there were a lot of bands that were like, I'm in a band it's local, but I get to party every weekend because I play a show every weekend at the same venue in my hometown with the same four bands. Why is no one showing up? We're playing the same set every night. It's the same thing. We're boring. Like, yeah, it, yeah, it's I'm, I'm, I'm glad that the scene is getting recognition now because it, it shows that people that put in work and and actually plan things out are are uh, prevailing i guess (laughs) (laughs) i feel like that's the landing right there you just yeah 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 (laughs) it ain't gonna get any better than that so we should just uh quit while we're ahead um i guess uh my last question for you other and then have you plug socials and all that um what do you want people to take away uh, from Alias when they when they get to listen to the whole thing? Um, this is probably the the first like full band collaboration that we've been able to have where everyone is involved in this in some way. Everyone put in an insane amount of work, and it, it's. The, the reason we called it alias is because we didn't want to call it a self-titled. So uh, what's the best, the best way to make something about you, your band and say like, this is put this out in front of you and say, this is who we want to be. And this is like the sound we're going for. I, I will admit that this is, I think that this is probably just our transition album to the new sound and the new sleep waker. Um, well, that being said, like this is the sound that we want to, you know, move forward with. But uh, it, it's it's to say like this is the new identity that we have, and I, I hope that people kind of recognize that we we're not sixteen playing local show basements anymore. <laughs> we're uh, <laughs> we're um, we're we're trying to make it work, and we we're matured, and like we understand what goes into music, and we work hard 
and I, I think that this this album is is the best culmination of that of all our hard work and uh, efforts and I hope that people kind of kind of hear that in the songs and they take away their own meaning from the songs and obviously we put a lot of personal uh, stuff in in there too uh, the song that we came out with distance and stuff like that's specifically about Hunter's grandfather passing and um, uh, we have a couple other songs too that that aren't out yet that are very like personal and like nostalgic ways or like uh references to things we have a ton of easter eggs throughout the album so i guess yeah i just hope people recognize uh that we we the, the passion in in the music awesome and then where can everyone find you and or the band or whatever else you would like to plug yeah absolutely we're on at sleepwaker band on instagram twitter and facebook and uh youtube.com slash sleepwaker or uh, the unfd youtube uh we also have our album coming out the 23rd and yeah you can uh, pre-save that on spotify awesome well thank you for taking the time and, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day absolutely yeah you too so that was my conversation with frankie of sleepwaker uh again i really want to take the time to uh to thank him actually for just being so open and honest about a lot of stuff and just being willing to kind of talk a little more abstract beyond just the actual album and the songs and so forth and, and kind of talk a little bit more in depth uh, about where some of these songs come from, where the band comes from. It sounds kind of tacky as I'm about to say it to be like, you know, there are some instances where I have bands on here and maybe they're not as known as some of the bigger names that we've had. You know, Frankie basically is following through no fault of his own, uh, you know, D Snyder and Dennis DeYoung. And, and those are musicians and artists who have been around for decades and inspired so many people. But sometimes I love having bands that maybe you don't know about and you're going to get to hear stories uh, that have inspired them and get to know more about the band and, and some of the lyrics and so forth. And that maybe when you listen to the band for the first time, you're going to want to listen to it. You're going to take it all in. You're going to, you know, remember a story maybe from this conversation or something else maybe you've seen from the band and really just kind of take it all in because I feel like this is definitely one of those bands that they're they're doing something and it's much more bigger than just we're a metal band. So I hope uh, you do give their album Alias uh, a fair shake. Check it out. Um, I don't really know what they're doing as far as touring. That's still kind of all up in the air right now. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, Frankie and the guys are probably working on something, uh, him living with Lee, uh, Albright, uh, who is, as you heard, a producer, uh, he does a lot of stuff, uh, with a lot of the bands here in town. Uh, he's now the new guitar player for hollow front, uh, as well as his busy production, uh, schedule, but, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they're probably writing new ideas and just in writing already. I feel like that's the one thing that a lot of the bands that are geared for success that are kind of coming out now-ish during the pandemic or so over the last year and a half, the good ones are taking the time to not rest on the laurels of, well, we got this record done, so I guess we're good. They're still writing and they're pushing themselves to progress and advance their sound and their music and, and, and being professionals. Cause essentially that's what they are now uh, as professional musicians. So, so want to thank Frankie again uh, for taking the time and, and just, you know, talking with me, I could have talked a lot longer, uh, but unfortunately I had another interview right after I got off the phone with him. Uh, like literally, I think I had about two minutes and then I had to like hop over to the other, the other room to, uh, 
do another chat, but uh, I'm sure we'll have him back on. Maybe some of the other guys from the band will uh, come on eventually. Uh, so if you would like to keep up with Sleepwaker, it's simple. Sleepwaker Band, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Real easy. And you'll find links to order the record uh, pretty much in every bio that they have over there. So super easy to uh, go ahead and get you this new record. Uh, if you'd like to keep up with Frankie himself, he is at Instagram at Sleepy underscore Drummer. And on Twitter at his name, F-R-A-N-K-I-E-M-I-S-H, Frankie Mish. And uh, yeah, so going to wrap up this episode. Uh, something new that we actually have launched since the last time I did one of these. We now have our Patreon relaunched. Uh, I've done a bunch of videos. I've done a bunch of Instagram, Facebook lives and all that stuff explaining it. Long and short of it, it is relaunched. We have a bunch of new content over there. Uh, You're going to get early access to all the podcasts, uh, audio and video formats. Um, if you actually would have subscribed uh, a few, like about a week or so ago, you actually could have seen and heard this already before it even came out. Uh, we have a few different donation tiers. Uh, tier one, you're, it's called the I'll Have One. It's for a dollar. It'll unlock exclusive episodes only heard on the Patreon feed as well as a weekly breakdown of the weekly playlist that I've been putting together. Uh, and you'll also get thanked at the end of every episode. So right now I want to take a moment to thank Sarah Schneider and Craig Kent for being two of our first patrons. I'll probably throw in the old lost episodes that I haven't posted because uh, why not? And uh, I'm also going to be working on a side podcast that I think I'm going to un- put in there at the dollar donation where basically I'm just going to go through once a week. Uh, maybe every two, I don't know. We'll see how it goes, but basically just kind of give a thought or a few thoughts I've had listening to other podcasts. Uh, it was an idea I had for a side podcast called what I learned from a podcast. And I think it's just an intriguing idea where I talk about something that has stuck with me because more oftentimes not those things carry over into the conversations I have for my podcast. So, uh, one informs the other, and I think it would just kind of be fun to carry on a a deeper conversation about a a singular idea that I've had or two, uh, from that week as well. Uh, if you go to the tier three, it's called the beer in a shot for a $3 donation, you'll unlock the audio from the most recent episodes before, before, they actually get released. So if you would like to hear everything I'm doing well before it comes out, you can do that in that capacity. At the $5 donation a month tier, it's called Buy Around. Uh, you will unlock the video only from my most recent interviews as well, 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 well before they're uh, released on the normal feed. So just kind of a different way to, to get early access to what we're doing. Uh, as you know, a lot of times I'm doing these interviews well before you hear them, sometimes even a month or so before you hear them. So this is a way to either hear or see whichever you feel is worthy of your donation. Uh, and last but not least is we have the $10 per month donation tier, which is the regular status. If you go to the Patreon page, patreon.com slash brucebeakpod, you'll see a photo of Norm from Cheers looking at a beer because when you think of a bar patron regular, who do you think of? It's Norm. Norm! Uh, but at this $10 donation, you'll unlock a seat at our table for our monthly Patreon hangout where we will digitally hang out, have a water, a drink, cocktail, or three, whatever, and we'll just kind of hang out and shoot the shit. Um, we might play some Jackbox games uh, that I've been seeing a lot of people doing on their hangouts and so forth and Twitch streams, and they've been a lot of fun. So, And obviously at any donation, whether it be the $3 to the $10, uh, everything obviously unlocks the tiers before it. So if you're at the $10 tier, you get everything that you would get uh, from tiers one through three. So uh, 
already, like I said, had two patrons come on. Very excited about it. Very excited to get some feedback. Really excited to create some new content for you guys if the show is not enough for you. So again, one more time, that is patreon.com slash brewspeakpod. Much appreciated. Uh, we just uh, put up the interviews that I did with Sean Cooper of Taking Back Sunday and Justine Jones of Employed to Serve. Those are up as well as the next two to three episodes with uh, Maddie Mullins from Memphis Mayfire, uh, Andrew Michael Wells of Idola. A uh, lot of stuff up in there. So go check it out. Much appreciated. If you'd like to keep up with the podcast, simple enough, you can go to brewspeakpod.com. That is the landing page for everything this show, anything you need to know about us, including our sponsors, which I'm going to run through those real quickly before I get out of here. Rockabilia.com. Head on over there. Use our code brutally and take 10% off your total purchase order. Want to thank Rockabilia for always making sure to take care of our listeners with an extra discount code. Again, brutally at checkout will save you 10%. On Point Palmate, keep your beard and hair looking on point. Use our code BSP15 and take 15% off your total purchase order. And last but not least is the Bean Bastard. Go to beanbastard.com, pick up some delicious coffee. And if you live in the Buffalo, New York area, or you're just traveling through, go check out their store in the downtown Buffalo, New York area and support those guys and gals. And I'll see you all next week where the returning Maddie Mullins joins us to talk all things. Well, you'll just have to stick around and find out. Talk to you then.